Hello, hello, everyone. My name is Jack, and you're listening to the Dev 90X podcast. It's day 49, and the title of today's episode is 1 plus 1 equals 3. This is something that I've learned after recently having my friend Harry get involved in the project. Uh, and it's made me realize that there are a lot of benefits to having somebody else who can also be helping you out with your project, whatever that project is. I remember a couple of years ago, just before the coronavirus hit, I was working in Australia with my best friend on one of his projects, um, helping him out. It was a renovation, a house renovation. And I just remember so many times there were instances where it would have been extremely difficult for him to do the job by himself. Um, whereas with two people, it's exponentially easier. For example, carrying or lifting a heavy load by yourself can be extremely hard. Maybe you have to you know, use a pivot point and then rotate it around along a path or something like that. Um, or, you know, um, you're fiddling with something that's very small and finicky and it's really difficult to hold all the tools that you need in your hands. So having somebody else there who can like, you know, help hold something in place while you're working the tools on it can, is also another example where, you know, one plus one equals three or even more sometimes. Sometimes it's not even possible to get the thing done as a single person. In my project, I can definitely do most of the things. Absolutely, absolutely I can. Um, I'm capable of learning how to do anything. But uh, there are certain areas where I would prefer to keep my focus and hold my focus for a while. And while holding my focus for long chunks of time, other things lose momentum. Uh, other things that might be important to also be ticking along as the project is getting its feet. It starts out as a baby and it starts to grow. And while, you know, you're there trying to teach the baby how to talk, um, all that while you forgot to, you know, go to the shops and get some food and feed the baby. I mean, obviously that's a bad example. Um, the baby should be, you know, with its mother breast breastfeeding. But, uh, yeah, I guess that is a good example then. One plus one equals three. <laughs> um, in this project, I have noticed that having another person involved, uh, I wrote a bullet point bunch of things. I wrote a list. So number one, it doubles the size of the accessible network. So uh, I have my network, which is not a bad network. I definitely know quite a few people. Um, and I have access to a lot of different skill sets in my network, a lot of different experts. Um, but it doubles the size of the accessible network. And so uh, now, I, now the project network ha is doubled. And that means that there's even more potential to access um, people and skills and resources uh, with, without too much effort. Number two is it smooths out the workflow. So what I mean by smooths out the workflow is that there's more, there's fewer breaks where absolutely nothing is being done. Um, when it's just me, if I stop working, then the work stops. There's nothing being done. Uh, 
And when there's two people, a lot of the time, those little gaps are kind of filled in a little bit so that it smooths out the workflow and it, and it keeps this consistent kind of metronome or cadence to work being done, which follows on to the next point, which is that it holds a more consistent momentum with the project. Um, I noticed this with the previous startup that I was working on, uh, which was called Resourceful, is that momentum creates gravity. Uh, and that gravity is what interests people as they see things are happening, they see things are moving. And if you're looking for any kind of investment or you know, you're looking to get other people involved in a project, people like to see traction. They like to see success metrics before they're interested. Um, I guess a good analogy here is, you know, if you're in the dating marketplace and you're trying to find a partner, your, your future potential partner wants to see some kind of success metrics. They don't want to, you know, if they think you're, if you're not successful in any, in any capacity, then uh, they're probably not going to be that interested in partnering up with you. And it's kind of the same with, um, with a project of some kind people who either want to get involved to work on the project or invest in the project want to see some kind of traction. They want to see some metrics. Um, and that momentum hap helps a lot with getting those, getting the gravity and getting the, the traction. So a smooth workflow flows onto momentum, flows onto gravity, flows onto traction. And uh, yeah, I mean, all of these things. The next point is that it brings in a division of labor. So I don't have to focus on everything. You know, I might have had this whole list of things in my head like, ah, you know, now I need to go and learn Figma and do some screen designs. Um, but I haven't even finished learning Swift yet and I haven't finished learning how to, how to code. Uh, so I don't have to do that necessarily anymore. I can, um, I can divide the labor and Harry can do what he can already do. So he doesn't have like the learning curve to worry about. And whereas I would have to go through that learning curve first before I'll, I would be able to do it, um, he can just go ahead and do it. And, and that definitely helps a lot. It increases the team skill pool. Um, and that's similar to my previous point of dividing the labor is that if you have a more diverse skill pool, it's obviously still strategic, <clears throat> strategically aligned, but if it's more diverse, then you can divide the labor up to the people who um, are already skilled at doing those tasks and they don't have to worry about the whole learning curve so much. It increases the quality of brainstorming. So when you're trying to like be creative and come up with ideas yourself, it's, it's definitely doable. It's definitely possible. Um, you know, I have... I take a shower every day. <laughs> I have shower thoughts. I, uh, I go for walks. You know, I, I, I think of cool stuff all the time. But when you're brainstorming with someone else, it's, it's like this mutation of ideas. It's like throwing them in a mix and in a, into an idea blender. And then you blend it and you have an idea smoothie. And you, you always get things that you wouldn't have got just on your own. Um, and so brainstorming is always better with you know with more than one person um and it enables reflective feedback so when you're pitching ideas to yourself 
<laughs> it doesn't really, you don't really get that reflective feedback because it's like when you're training an AI model and you use the training data to test the model. It's like, it, it was literally trained on that data. It's it knows it 100% and there's nothing new about it to test how it performs. And so when you're, when you're trying to get feedback on ideas or work or quality, you're too in it. You've seen it. You, you, you're the one who came up with it. Uh, it's not being bounced off somebody else who has a different point of view or a different perspective. And having somebody else enables that reflective feedback, um, which you just can't get otherwise. So there's a lot of good things, but it's also not all completely you know, pros. There are definitely some cons as well. And one is that it complicates a few things. So there's, you know, there's work times, there's, there's a bit more of a scheduling. Every time you add more people to the team, you have uh, scheduling complexities arise. So, you know, meeting times uh, where you're in the same, you know, time and place and, and organized together, you know, synchronized. Um, Obviously, there's a division of value and equity that needs to be discussed. Agreements need to be made. Conversations need to happen. And all of these things are not really creating a product that people are going to buy. They're just organizing a team and helping to mobilize that team to create a product. But they in themselves are not value generating activities. And so you have this kind of overhead that pops up where you've got You've got to have all of these conversations and make agreements and have this ongoing discussion and ongoing, you know, check-ins and meetings and all these things um, that definitely suck time. They they take time and they don't they don't generate value. Uh, so you have to be careful with who you bring on board for sure, um, as if they're not in, if they're not giving more value than they're taking, then uh, well, they shouldn't be involved in the project. And that's pretty much how it works. So that's my little discussion for today. One plus one equals three. Um, progress update. Today's been a pretty pretty chill day, actually. I've definitely been working a lot um, from morning until it's almost 4 p.m. now in the afternoon. Um, one thing is that I finally purchased the Apple developer program for 149 Australian dollars. Definitely not cheap, <laughs> but necessary as you need that if you want to launch an app. And I actually just wanted to check check that the name Handstander is available, which I have a feeling that it's going to be reserved. But um, we will see. We'll find out tomorrow when I hopefully get verified. I downloaded more videos from Instagram and I'm getting to a point now where I think maybe I have enough again for V2 of the AI, uh, but we will see. I edited a lot of videos, probably around 80 more clips. So definitely did a lot of video editing today, which is a very relaxing and easy exercise for me as I know what I'm looking for when I'm searching for videos and, and I know how to edit them and where to put my breakpoints in the clips. Uh, and how to subclass, sorry, not subclass, subset the, the videos into different classes, being it entry into handstand, handstand, exit from handstand, or other, other the three main, three main ones that I'm doing right now. 
I did some logic verification on some of the videos. So I've created a logic system that should, should work to create a kind of flawless um, assessment outcome of the pose or the activity, the, yeah, the pose that's been predicted. Um, it's a 2D logic system, so it takes in two of the poses consecutively and then, and then has uh, a rule set around what to do when it receives these two in, in a sequence. And so I've been looking back at the videos and watching how the model is performing and predicting on them to see how my logic predictions would then go. And it's definitely not as straightforward as I thought it would be. Um, first of all, it creates latency in the prediction outcome of one extra second behind what reality has, what has already happened in, in real. Uh, and uh, I think it actually might need more than two dimensions to, to get it right. Um, as having just two postures back to back often does not yield the correct result. So I'm still a bit unsure about this. I know that increasing the accuracy of the model will, will smooth this, this whole user experience out. Um, but I don't think there's any escaping from having a logic layer in there as well. Uh, so we'll see. I created a list of ideal data requirements for my own reference to potentially teach others how to harvest data and select data um, so that they can understand what, what, what is good data, what is bad data. Um, and I built out more of the folder structure for the data, include, including a lot of the subclasses. So when I have a mate, like a, a class, I'm talking about like handstand, that's a class, but a subclass could be handstand wide legs, handstand straight, handstand one arm, uh, where it's like going one layer deeper. Um, which is a future potential development where, you know, the app can recognize subclasses as well as classes. But uh, that's definitely for the future. However, it's, def it's one of those things that you want to pre potentially prepare for in the beginning so that, you know, the option's there. <laughs> Jack's hack for today is that rest is productive when you're tired and stressed. And this is, this is an interesting one to remember because oftentimes you, when you're stressed, when you're, when you're someone like me that values productivity, <laughs> when you're stressed and, and tired, it's usually because you are overworking or putting too much, too much mental and nervous energy into a project that um, and you're not getting the results that you want to be able to relax. Um, in these cases, rest is actually productive because you're regenerating your energy, which is your vital energy that actually is what you use to, to be productive, to, to solve problems, to be creative. And when you're all burnt out, creativity is difficult. And when creativity is difficult, productivity is difficult. And so um, sometimes, sometimes the most productive thing that you can do is to take a break and have some time off, recharge the batteries. Uh, and so 
once again, Jack's hack is for me that rest is productive when you're tired and stressed. And it's, it's good to take rest if you are needing it. Definitely take it. <laughs> so that's it for today, day 49. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow.